This is Mona Lisa Baseball, episode 8. It is December 5th, 2021. And alas, baseball is locked out. How about that? Yes, I remember 1994 quite well. Uh, Giants had Matt Williams hitting more homers than he ever had. Uh, Barry Bonds was getting very hot. I think he got up to 37 homers, had a three-homer game pretty close to the time of the lockout. Um, Expos were in first place. They were always a last-place team. And uh, there was no World Series. And that one hurt. That one hurt baseball a lot. Hurt baseball a lot, and how it dug itself out of it was it got infatuated with steroids and home run chases and it got so infatuated and obsessed with it that it ended up marring the game in a way that not too many other eras have at the time you know mark mcguire probably had a rise and fall the oh man the guy that's coming up in my mind that Mark McGuire's uh, story would follow would be Lance Armstrong. Because there was a time when Mark McGuire was probably more considered a god than a human. And now his, the idea of having him in the Hall of Fame is laughable. And nobody could have really seen that coming even though we all saw his body, his abnormal body. Uh, It's not really all of our faults, though, because, I don't know, that was a time of creatine and, you know, things that were much more than protein shakes. And for whatever reason, it was believable. I was a teenager. I bought it. Um, You know, I, I used to make an argument for... Barry Bonds when he was um, under a hell of a lot of speculation towards steroids. And I kept stating this thing. Listen, it's very reasonable to believe that Barry Bonds has put on five pounds a year. And if you give a person eight years, they're going to put on 40 pounds of muscle. This is what he does for his career. Okay. It's not unreasonable to think that one can do that. You know, WWF, I remember the British Bulldog disappeared for about three months and came back 35 pounds heavier and was yoked. Okay, that was a little different. That's WWF. I think there was something else involved. But in my idea, Barry Bonds was had to be legit because he was already at the top of his sport. So why is it so weird? You know, he wasn't like a... Um, like a Brett Boone that plays a decent second base and then next year, you know, hits whatever, 168 RBIs. You know, that was lunacy. Anything Barry Bonds was doing was believable to me at the time. Um, Unfortunately, if your feet and your head grow a lot in your 30s, you're suspect. So too bad for Barry. It doesn't take away what he did, but he is certainly dealing with the consequences. So... Yeah, let's not get too overly obsessed with healing the sport, tricking people into coming back into loving the game 
once the game pisses it off. And it looks like it is right back in that scenario right now. So uh, let's see. End of November was the end of the bargaining agreement, and the owners and players are striking against one another. Um, here's the here's the issue I see. Uh, everyone's upset, and because everyone's upset and there's no agreements, uh, who's losing? Well, everyone currently, but probably mostly the fans. Um, the owners are billionaires, so to argue they're losing is a questionable argument. Um, the players, um, they're certainly losing, but every ball, every major league baseball player is a millionaire. So if you're a millionaire and you don't have to work, I don't know. It's not a huge loss and Hey, fans are just fans. They miss out on something they love. So it's not gonna, you know, most people, it's not going to tear down their life, but there's a lot more fans than there are uh, pro players or owners. And so millions of people are very, very disappointed. And I think the easiest way to say it right now is at this point, baseball as a whole is delusional. Um, you know, you're playing the greatest game ever invented. And you think that will automatically translate into monetary value, and it doesn't. That's not necessarily how it works. You know, there was a time where Bobby Fischer made chess the most important, not only sport or game in the world. From what I've heard, he was headlining the news every night for a week or two. Story number one. So all of a sudden, you know, chess was the number one game. That didn't really translate into other great chess players being rich or millionaires because you have to look at a game for what it is. And chess might be the most wonderful, you know, uh, what do they call it? Uh, cerebral games in existence. For the people that love it, there's no topping it. But to assume that that will translate into rich dollars is it it would be delusional. And that's what baseball is going through right now. I'm hinting at Chris Broussard's question, original question, you know, how we're all comparing the big sports to one another, basketball, football. Oh my God, they're making all this money. And baseball is slipping into that greedy mindset thinking that something is owed to them because they play a sport and they're just wrong. So this lockout, obviously, if you've been listening to what I say, if you've tuned into the first seven episodes, there's nothing more that I want for baseball to just figure itself out and go back to its roots, not lock out, not change any rules, go back to what it was and be happy that it's a revered sport for a lot of people, millions of people. Instead, it's found itself in a greed game and it's delusional because 
it thinks it's something that it's not, and it thinks it's owed something. It's, oh my God, I can't. Okay, so when I make predictions, please don't think that this is what I want in order to be right, but it's as if I can see the crystal ball, and I, it's not only that I see the crystal ball, the, the crystal ball is showing me and it's telling me what's going to happen at the same time. So, uh, there's going to be a lockout. and or There is a lockout. Here we are. And players are going to want one thing as an organization, and the owners are going to want another thing as an organization. And they're not going to be able to decide on it because both of them agree that they want as much money as possible. That is something that they have a very firm agreement on. We both want as much money as possible. So, what they're going to do is they're going to make bargains with one another and they're going to swap things and rules are going to get changed and baseball is going to be different. This is not a good thing for baseball. Okay. This is not going to work out well. This is going to be very, very ugly. So let me go through a few things here. Let's retrace our steps. Baseball is a play. You go to the play to enjoy what's happening on the field. Baseball was meant to be played as a wonderful uh, spectacle before fans who appreciate it. I think it's that simple. So let's take a look at the the puzzle pieces that are, are involved. Now, earlier... In one of the episodes, I kind of mentioned the five pillars of baseball, the the thing that holds everything up, the pillars that hold everything up. Um, You got the players, you got the coaches, you have the umpires, the fans, and the venue. But while I've been doing this show, I'll jot notes, but I don't like to read things that I wrote. Um... But I I did write a few things down that I want to share with you so that I say it right. Um, So I'm going to go down the list here. And I've added a new one. So there's a sixth. I'm going to start with that one. And I'm going to kind of say what the roles are. (sighs) Owners. Owners must accept themselves as billionaires. Players. Players must accept themselves as extremely well-paid blue-collar workers, umpires. Umpires must take their job as upholders of a sacred game, eat their broccoli, maintain sobriety, and understand baseball and its history more than perhaps everyone. Coaches. Coaches must manage their team and win by any means necessary within the original rules and maintain dignity at all times. There will be cracks in that. That's understood. Fans. Fans must bring their knowledge to the ballpark, bring their mitt, purchase from the peanut guy, stay alert, follow the game, and bring people that can and will appreciate it. Building blocks. This is what I'm trying to set up. Okay. 
this is what originally brought people to the game. And the game was created so perfectly that there was a groundswell of enthusiasm towards it. And it grew itself. It grew itself from the best way to do it. Uh, word of mouth. Obviously, there was eventually newspapers, radio, television, things like that. But I don't get the feeling that um, the powers that be were all that concerned with growing it. I God, I could be wrong because there was definitely times where attendance wasn't high. But it didn't seem to be an obsession. The owners were building ballparks um it was it was an expensive thing to do and so they couldn't go too extravagant because if people if the fans weren't filling the seats it wasn't going to be worth their investment so they had to kind of find the right number of seats in their ballpark um to make it worth it for them What's going on right now with baseball and why I keep saying that it's delusional is you can't force it to be popular. Um, you can't really force anything to be popular. It just becomes that way or it doesn't. Um, you can try tricks, but usually tricks get uh, figured out eventually and you know, coolness or cream rises to the top. And what baseball is finding itself doing right now is, excuse me, it thinks it's worth more than it is. Now to a guy like me, it's one of my favorite things in my life. The fact that baseball exists and I love it. And so I can talk about it that way because I'm one of those people that is always, it will always be in my heart. Uh, if Major League Baseball wants to trash and ruin that, that's kind of up to them. But I can say whatever I want about baseball because I love it. And I can see that chess is a wonderful game. That doesn't mean everyone needs to like it. Baseball is a wonderful game. Not everyone's going to like it. It's really slow. Some people see that as perfect. I'm one of them. So when Scott Boris uh, organizes a contract by a team for one player to make $252 million, that's going to be offensive to some people. And I'm sure all the other owners were not happy with the Rangers because they could see what's coming next. Well, shit, I'm at least half as good as Alex Rodriguez. And he makes $25 million a year. Well, I want $12.5 million. Owners aren't going to like that. But if the agents are so good at their job that the players can demand that, the owners are going to have to raise the prices. And the fans will have a reaction. So baseball is seeing the rest of the globe as this potential lover of the sport and that if they can make it exciting enough then there's unlimited potential in terms of billions of people that will now start loving the sport this thinking is so faulty it's sickening they can't 
actually believe this. There is very few corners of the globe that revere baseball. Even in the United States, it's kind of on some level becoming a laughingstock. Japan loved it enough that they kind of created their own way to play. And Latin America attached on it, and they kind of have their own way of playing. And yet, aren't we lucky in the States that Major League Baseball is respected as the best players in the world go to play there? And that's really cool to think that you also are going to make the most money there. But you can't make an amount if it's not there for you. If the owners need to make a profit every year and that kind of moving arrow up and to the right goes too fast, you're going to outprice the love and the dollars spent to support that. So to think that the rest of the world is now going to suddenly catch on to baseball because we've tweaked some rules and made it quicker so that more people can like it because it's slower than basketball. How could you possibly think that's going to work? So if my crystal ball is correct, things are going to change quite a bit between now and next season. I've talked a lot about what those changes might be. I'm sure there's things that I couldn't even fathom that are about to be different. And I'd love to say that I'm worried as hell that they're going to change him because that would show my love for the game, but I already see it coming. And so it's not going to surprise me. You know, it's like, you know, when Donald Trump's president and he continues to look out for himself and people keep judging him on, um, I can't believe that he would make such and such rule or law. And you go, are you honestly surprised that he's just doing whatever it takes to help himself, to make himself more popular, to make him rich? to make himself more rich than he already is, does that really surprise you? So baseball is setting itself up to just fall flat on its face to try to attract a few fans. Now, here's what I'm thinking. There might be a few people, just enough people, that sort of... uh pick the sport up a few percentage points and maybe it'll look like, oh yeah, it's working. The quicker game is actually bringing people in. But if you bring in these robot umps, people are going to start tuning out. And what the way that I've been thinking of it in my head is you're basically, you're, you're handing over the sport to the gamblers because People won't actually be invested in the players that they love. You know, I've, I've watched this happen to someone that I know that I used to go to Giants games with. I used to go to Warriors games with. And, you know, we used to play football on the street and enjoy in sports. But he's what I consider a degenerate gambler where he kind of can't help himself. And so... 
there was this thing that started to happen once he began betting on the games. Those things didn't matter that used to, such as, you know, whatever. So-and-so is my favorite player. Uh, He went three for four. That excites me. You know, it stopped happening where, you know, the Giants won a 5-4 game and that excited him. It was all about whatever he bet on. So if he betted the over and the Giants only won by one, he was actually disappointed opposed to being excited uh, with the rest of us that were there celebrating the sport. You could see this coming in baseball where if the passion isn't there, if you're not going to the ballpark and feel like it's beautiful and feel like you're part of this thing, you're part of the city, you're part of the town, you're part of this uh, franchise where we're all rooting for these guys, where we, we love watching this team play and you know, root them on to victory. If you're missing out on that, and you can you can tap into that to a certain degree watching uh, a game on television or listening on the radio, but in person is really where you can feel that sort of energy pulsing, which is really, I think, the foundation of the sport. You know, it, it's similar to how it feels when you're in Little League, um, you know, in the dugout, knowing you're, you're, you're fourth up and then the next person gets on base and, and now you're in the hole and then that guy gets on base and now you're on deck. And if this next guy gets on base, well, geez, now you're going to be up with the bases loaded and, you know, either this pitcher you think you own or you're not totally sure or you're scared shitless of this pitcher. You feel that energy in you. And if you got that hit with the bases loaded, with that picture you're scared of and you hear maybe your parents or your friends in the in the stands cheering for you oh that's an incredible feeling and how you could stand there and not necessarily wave to the crowd or tip your cap but just stand there and take it in knowing that that you did what you set out to do and you succeeded that's an incredible feeling when you're out there at the ballpark with your team the professional ranks and looking at this glorious stadium, this, this venue, this place that they created to play the greatest sport ever made. You're attached to that feeling. Now, if it gets to the point where we can't cheer when there's a single and a runner on second and they come flying around third and slide into home close play, and the umpire waves safe. If we're getting rid of that anticipation and that automatic reaction of boom, safe, and not being worried that it might get retracted. If we're going to watch a baseball game and you can't boo the umpire because everything is going to be dictated by a computer. We're losing out on the energy that is circulating within that ballpark that's felt from every person that's there. People are going to stop tuning in. And that's why I say they're giving the sport to the gamblers because the only reason that they're going to be playing the games 
is for corporate people that don't really care what happens, but just want to woo their clients out to the ballpark, not even watching the game, looking at their phone more, thankful that there's nets now. They don't have to worry about a ball clocking them in the face that they can just look at their phone the whole time, impress their clients, use their phone instead of calling the peanut guy. Hey, peanuts, yeah, I'll take one of those. Texting someone on your phone, will you deliver this to me so that I can continue texting other business people? There's no circulation of energy there. They're giving the sport to the gamblers. They're only playing so that people can gamble and keep the money generating, keep the money swirling. That's not why baseball was created. Baseball was not created for dollars and cents. It was created because it's fun. It's fun to play. And it was so fun to play that people like to also watch it. And now here we are. Money bags. Money bags versus money bags. And you know what it's going to take? It's going to take the biggest miracle in human history to save this thing. Because I think there's two things that can happen at this point. The greatest miracle that ever happened to baseball could happen between now and the beginning of the season of 2022, or it's going to fall flat on its face. Or it might be a slow, painful death and eventually fall flat uh, flat on its face. But if and when it does fall flat on its face, it's going to have to have the courage to pick itself up off the ground dust itself off and go back to its roots and think, yeah, maybe we all did ask for a little bit too much money. But here's what I love about it. We saw this incredible miracle that I talked in depth about in an earlier episode, Shohei Otani. Tell me anyone saw this coming. A two-way American League MVP. And when I say two-way, don't get it twisted. Every ball player ought to be two-way to some degree. But this is an American League pitcher hitting like no one else is hitting. I thought it was a miracle because I never thought I would actually see that. But it happened. So this is the miracle I'm talking about now. This is what it's going to take. Oh, just, just bear with me here. Um, or a better, better term to explain it would be, um, uh, oh God, it's so simple. What is it? Um, oh, well, I'll get back to it when I think of it. (laughs) The owners and the players are going to look at themselves in the mirror and chuckle. Have a good laugh at this. Hands on the hips. Ah, what are we doing? This is crazy. We're ruining the very sport we're involved with. We think we're worth so much money. 
we think we're so important that we can just demand millions upon billions. You know what? We got a little out of sorts there. Let's retract. Let's do what would be right for the fans. We already had a perfect sport. We all knew that once we got involved. But then popularity started to wane. And we started to puff up our chest and feel that pride swelling through our whole body. And we decided, hell no, we're worth more. More. If Alex Rodriguez could make $25 million 25 years ago, I should make $100 million. Gazillion. Why can't I be the first billionaire player? I'm that good. I hit 295 with 43 homers. And I trot around the bases as slow as I can. And I do hand slaps and celebrations with my teammates. And I don't really know, but it seems like the fans love me. I should make $100 million a year. You're a blue-collar worker. And you're playing a sport. And it doesn't make sense. There's not enough fans in baseball to make that kind of money. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, I bought my baseball team for a billion dollars. And I'm a billionaire. And I know a bunch of other billionaires that are making billions on their billions. So I better be doing the same thing. You know, I don't give a rat's ass how much we change the sport. I got involved in this sport to make money. Well, you might have chosen the wrong sport. Because money doesn't dictate this sport. It started too long ago. It already knows its own roots. The owners of today might not even realize how much baseball is leaning on its own history to have current relevance I mean I don't understand how the players and owners can't see it except the fact that they're blinded by greed you know in a similar way in the 60s and 70s when they started thinking that all the fans wouldn't notice that they're now playing baseball on concrete indoors And have huge uh, sections of the stadium that are pushed up football seats. And think, oh, this is great. We'll sell out every game. 62,000 are going to fill up this stadium for baseball games. And then whatever, 75,000 will fill it up for football. Oh, this is great. Two for the price of one. Just assuming that that's going to work for baseball. Watch the attendance plummet. Oh my God. Greed. You know what I heard the other day, or actually I read in an old baseball book I have, is that Yankee Stadium was 10 acres. And I thought, God, I remember when... I remember when Mickey Mantle said he was just a small Oklahoma boy. Well, small town Oklahoma boy, not small at all. But he went to Yankee Stadium for the first time and his jaw might have actually hit the dirt 
because he couldn't believe that baseball could be played in front of such a large, uh, large um, I'm going to throw out magnanimous ball field. It, it blew his mind to think that he's going to be playing in front of that many people in a place that grand. Well, let me tell you, in New York City, that makes sense. I don't know how many people lived there in the 50s or 60s, but whatever it was, 5, 10 million, maybe more, maybe less. You're close enough to so many people that live there, you're going to fill it up. You could fill it up if you have good talent on the field, good coaching, and your team keeps winning. You have a real good chance of filling it up. But 10 acres... 10 acres is is really big in a crowded city, but, you know, a lot of the parcels around where I live uh, sold as farmland are sold in 40-acre parcels. And I'm thinking, Jesus, you could fit Yankee Stadium in there? Probably not including the parking and all that, but just the actual uh, stadium, the stands, the field, all that. 10 acres. It got me thinking. If baseball falls flat on its face and it starts to build itself back up again and it's going to have to go back to its roots, I wonder if there's people out there, you know, as stocks and cryptocurrencies and all that stuff create incredible wealth and new people. There are going to be people out there that pull the field of dreams what is it, Ray Kinsella? Pull themselves a Ray Kinsella and create a ballpark just for them? I'm thinking, who's out there that's going to purchase something in the neighborhood of 10 acres and create a field? With all the people out there with their creativity for baseball, I would love to visit fields that are created by people and have its own twists and try to create that field, which is almost rinky dink, but actually not. And so perfect to play baseball at like Fenway park. You know, another thing I read in this baseball book was center field in Fenway used to be upwards of 470 to 480 feet. Pretty interesting. Imagine in that place. It's hard to even picture how they would make that work. But tell me that's not interesting. Also, the fact that the bullpen in right field wasn't there. Isn't that interesting? Makes Pesky's pole that much more cool. From 302 to 470, 480-ish? Pretty interesting. So what are you fans thinking of? What kind of parks have you been imagining your whole life all the games you've played wiffle wiffle ball and you know short porches left center right where are they what is your home run hit that makes you go oh off the facing of the whatever the the tree the church there's so much room for creativity and whoever set the standard that a field has to hold 60,000 Probably Yankee Stadium started all that. But if there was less reliance on money, 
and you could create a field that only housed 10,000, but it was the coolest venue ever to watch the sport. That would be interesting. You know, you could go to a, a string quartet that only holds 250 people, but this room was made for acoustics and string quartets. It wasn't designed to be shown to 10,000 people at a time. If you were lucky enough to get a ticket and you were there, that's what it was made for. So that's interesting. The potential creativity is really exciting. But can baseball go through that after hitting its face on the pavement so hard when it fails next year? It's so close to inevitable. I'll give it a 99.9, leaving room for that miracle. But my God, it is about to get so ugly. It's so sad. I've been hearing talk about, you know, Chavez Ravine's getting pretty old. Can we do the most obvious thing there is? Please, will you recreate Ebbets Field? Like, what are you waiting for? Talk to any historian. Go back to all the old books you can find. Everyone, okay, I can't say that. It was generally agreed that Ebbets was the perfect place to play baseball. And we honestly haven't recreated that yet. It's just astounding. God, there was so much more I wanted to get into, and now I'm at minute almost 38. Okay, I'm going to rattle off a few things. I mentioned Mickey Mantle earlier. I read his book, I think it was written in 85, uh, Autobiography. He said uh, he thought it was a good idea to have all uniform fence lengths so that we uh, all can know who the biggest sluggers are due straight to the numbers. Uh, didn't uh, take into consideration elevation or um, you know prevailing winds or anything like that. He thought it was that simple, that it should be cut and dried, who the biggest sluggers were strictly by the numbers. Mickey, don't you understand? It's up to the fans to have their own favorite players. Oh, my goodness. The other thing that I was going to dive really deep into and I have no time for is drug testing and how that ought to be handled in Major League Baseball. I'm going to have to save that for episode nine, final episode. I will save a little room for that. And it's going to be really fun wrapping this show up because I've gotten to almost everything that I wanted to say and it's been really, really fun. Um, okay, let me talk about... Now, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it, the drug testing stuff. I had a couple stories I was going to share, but I'm going to save that for next episode. So um, here we are. Baseball is locked out. Um, its future looks exceptionally grim at this point. I am holding out hope. I'm not expecting it. Baseball can't really disappoint me 
too much more than it already has uh robot ump or uh national league dh will officially um it'll be kind of the tarantino-esque um at the end of death proof the uh heel of the boot crunching into my face pushing against the pavement that's going to be a wrap for me but it's not a hundred percent fact that that will happen but i'm pretty worried all right well this is mona lisa baseball episode eight concluded it is december 5th 2021 one more to go I never would have guessed that I finished my eighth episode in December. I can't make any promises when episode nine comes out, but I can promise you I can't wait. (laughs)